We're on the brink of a brand new school year, and what better way to kickstart your brain cells than with some mind-blowing weather trivia? Picture this, a team of seasoned meteorologists ready to drop knowledge bombs and one incredibly curious kid armed with questions. I'm meteorologist Emily Gracie, and you're listening to Off the Radar, a production of the National Weather Desk. On the show, we dig deep into topics about weather, climate, the ocean, space, and much more. Our goal is to help you better understand the weather and to love it as much as we do. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The National Weather Desk has a team of 200 meteorologists across the country. So today, I'm calling on two of our veteran meteorologists, Veronica Johnson and Ed Piotrowski. Veronica and Ed are both chief meteorologists with decades of experience. Veronica is in Washington, D.C. and actually used to be the host of our daily broadcast of the National Weather Desk. Ed is the chief meteorologist at WPDE in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We also have an extra special guest joining us today a young weather aficionado whose enthusiasm for the atmosphere rivals even the most experienced meteorologist. That's right. In this episode, we have the incredible privilege of introducing you to Sela, a curious and inquisitive 13-year-old whose love for weather inspired me to do this episode. I met Sela last year. She'd been doing weather reports for her school's newscast in Ohio. Hello, my name is Sela McGilfrey, and here's the weather for this week. The high this week will be Monday at 77 degrees, and the low this week will be Thursday at 60 degrees. Even though it might be a little toasty in the afternoons, it will be pretty cold in the mornings while you're ready for the bus or while you're walking. And she was amazing at it. But some of the kids at her school were making fun of her, calling her Weather Girl. Not cool. But her maturity and tenacity impressed me so much I wanted to see and hear more from Sella. She is full of weather questions, so I thought I'd introduce her to a couple of legends in the weather community so she could get some great feedback. From understanding hail formation to flying through hurricanes, today's episode promises to be a whirlwind adventure of knowledge and fun. So whether you're headed home from a family road trip or stuck in car line, this episode is sure to put you back in learning mode. Open your ears and your brains and sit back and enjoy our special Kids Trivia episode. I want to start by welcoming and thanking all of you for joining today. We have several people joining. We have Stella, who is 13 years old, a future meteorologist who I met months ago and we talked weather and she had amazing questions and it really inspired me to do a whole podcast episode in this time period of going back to school. And I wanted to bring in two of our amazing experts both Veronica Johnson and Ed Piotrowski, 
because you guys are not only experts in the field of meteorology, you're both really nice people too and great with kids. Sela is this very passionate weather lover who I met, uh, like I said, several months ago. She's 13 now, going into eighth grade. She lives in Ohio. And she is going to ask you guys some questions. And our goal here is maybe to stump you a little. I know you know everything about the weather. I just want to say it's amazing that you've chosen meteorology, atmospheric science as a field to get into because truly it is wide open for for <laughs> uh, anyone to get into, but especially women to get into. We still need more people in not just STEAM, but STEM, science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. Kudos for you. Thanks. Yeah, and I, I just echo what Veronica said. It's it's such a wonderful field. And if you're passionate about it, like it seems like you are, your your job is really a hobby at that point in time. You're being paid to do something you really love to do. So good for you that you already have a passion uh, for something like meteorology. It is fascinating. And um, Sally, is there anything you want to share with us or with these guys about yourself or your particular interest? Is there any like one particular type of weather you love most? So lately I've been really into like clouds. I can't really pronounce any of the names, but I have this weather book that I got for Christmas and now I'm on the chapter of clouds. And I think it's just really cool, like seeing all the types of clouds in the sky and stuff. And I really like um, tornadoes and stuff. Like I'm terrified of them, but it's like, they're so cool to like learn about and unpopular opinion, but I think that they're very pretty too. I'm like, oh, I don't know. It's like, I'll, I'll just start by saying, so there's different types of clouds, low, middle, and high clouds. And they are very much characteristic or driven by the type of weather that's happening. The lowest, the middle, and the highest reaches of the atmosphere. And, 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 and you can, jump in and talk yeah. about types of how we kind of sure. see them blended. So the three types that uh, we often talk about are cumulus, which are the low clouds that look like fluffy cotton ball clouds floating in the sky, and they're created by heat causing the air to actually go up. And then, of course, you have stratus clouds, or which are kind of a, uh, a veil of clouds in the sky in the mid-levels of the atmosphere. And then we have cirrus clouds, which are very thin, wispy clouds very high in the atmosphere, and they're always made of ice crystals because it's below zero at that altitude. And you'll notice that they're very thin and wispy, almost like somebody took a paintbrush and just kind of painted the sky, um, simply because of how fast the winds are up there and uh, how limited the moisture is. So they kind of get stretched out. They're pretty fun to watch. You can get a good idea when you look at Cirrus that the winds are pretty strong along. It's funny. There's some new cloud types, too, that keep getting named. And you were talking about not being able to pronounce cloud types but we can't either like we a lot of times have to google there'll be a new cloud type and we're like is it asparatus asparatus what is how right. do you say this <laughs> i say undulatus asparatus but who knows if that's right <laughs> however the coolest ones are the ones that have the longest craziest name right that is a fact <laughs> all right Stella, go ahead stump these guys what else you got okay so now i have some questions so uh, one of my questions is, what's the difference between weather and climate? So weather is what you study, it, what what happens in the short time with our atmosphere, and climate is what happens over a long period of time. So when we talk about how our climate is changing and how it's having an impact on storm systems and really our entire lives from um, from water levels, drought, to more intense storms and seeing flooding from storms that 
years ago would have just delivered, you know, average amount of rain. Now it's raining much harder. We know that from how our climate has changed over time. Yeah, Veronica said it perfectly. Weather is what you get. Climate is what you expect. And our uh, climate is based on at least 30 years of averages. And we can kind of gauge whether things are getting warmer, colder, wetter, or drier over uh, a long amount of time. And one of the things that I often talk about when it comes to climate change is that climate change itself doesn't cause any individual weather event, but it could cause them to become more extreme. And uh, Veronica and I both in our viewing area covered Hurricane Florence back in 2018, and we had a tremendous amount of rainfall. We got a ton of rain, but we got more rain because the actual system was moving slower and slower systems are attributed to climate change. Well, how much do you talk about climate change in school, Sella? Does, is, is, is that something um, that you've been exposed to? So there's now like TikTok and stuff. But what surprises me is we don't really talk about it in school that much. Like I'll be like scrolling on like social media or something. And then I'll see someone like post something about climate change. And then that'll make me like, I want to research this and stuff and see like what's going on with it. And it's getting like crazier and crazier. I feel like that. Yeah, we can it, learn it, a lot from you too, Stella, because we are in charge of getting that information out. And if we're not getting it in the right places out, then we're not doing our job. So it's good to know from you where you're getting your information from. We're going to step up our TikToking, guys. I, <laughs> kudos to you, Stella, for you know, doing the research. So many people don't do that. And, uh, you know, critical thinking and, and getting in and, and understanding why things are the way they are and why they will occur in the future. Really important to educate yourself and, and look at both sides of the uh, both sides of the issue and then form your opinion from there. You know, it's like a lot of people lately have been like so focused on like, oh, my gosh, the littering and stuff. But it's like they're also not really caring about like climate change and stuff. And it's like, that's not healthy for like the earth and stuff. Like we need to like step up our game and care for the earth. Right. And, and, and we're seeing, you know, so much of it, not just here in the United States, but around the world with uh, more intense storms. I, I like to tell folks like an exclamation mark behind, you know, what, 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 you know, pattern we're, you know, naturally under right now, you know, what, whatever weather pattern, if it's a drought somewhere, it's like an exclamation mark behind it. If it's thunderstorms, you know, they're bigger and badder than ever. So how do you measure the different things like wind and air quality? So wind uh, is measured with an anemometer. And we are able to take a look at a lot more data than we ever have before because we have weather stations that will send data. That's talking about winds at the surface. Uh, but maybe, uh, uh, Ed, if you want to talk about how we get, you know, winds from out of a hurricane. Sure. So, so um, when it comes to determining what kind of winds we have in a hurricane, if a hurricane was in, within a reasonable distance from a landmass, we will actually fly planes into the system. And that may seem really weird that we're flying planes into a hurricane. But remember, for a plane to get off the ground, it's got to be moving very fast anyway. So going into a hurricane is really not that big of a deal. It's very turbulent, uh, but they have all sorts of instruments on board, including uh, drop songs that are dropped from the plane, and they're measuring all sorts of things, wind speed, wind direction, uh, barometric pressure, all sorts of things, temperatures, dew points, to really get a good CAT scan of what's going on inside of a hurricane. And when you have that information from the hurricane hunters, they give us much better information to put into our forecast models, and we get better forecast of where those tropical storms and hurricanes 
are going to go. And something else, uh, you know, Veronica was talking about what we have here at the ground to measure wind. Uh, each day, twice a day around the globe, we launch weather balloons. And those weather balloons carry a package of instruments that are measuring everything in the atmosphere from the surface to way above where the planes fly. And all that information goes into our computer models to make forecasts as well. Have you guys ever flown with the Hurricane Hunters? Not yet, but it's a bucket list item. I want to hear Veronica's story. So my story was Florence before Florence. And it was, well, Florence was moving so slow. So I was on the ground for a long period of time, just reporting on that storm. But before that storm, it's a long trip because I didn't realize that we were going to go six hours out because this was this was way when it was out loud. It was six hours out, six hours back. It was really cold on the plane. Wow. Um, was it yeah, bumpy? Was it a bumpy ride? I'm going to tell you, it was not as bumpy as I thought it would be, but wow. it was it was very and and uh, for lack of a better word, it was very angelic. You see the the uh, uh, this enormous storm that you're flying over, and you know the power of it, right? Right. And it's just slowing, and you're flying right next to it, and you know what that thing is going to do, right? But it was beautiful, like like a lot of things in nature. It can do a lot of damage and still be beautiful. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of eerie that way. It was like half eerie and half angelic, you know? Was it, uh, what category was it when you flew through? Were you able to get into the eye? Uh, yeah, yes. Oh, yeah. We, oh, yeah. we okay. got to the eye. And, and and that's another thing that was, I was like, just floored of how beautiful it was. Anyway, Sella. <laughs> okay. So what is the coldest time of day and what is the warmest time of day? Ah, that's a good question. I, I'll start with that when it comes to the coldest. A lot of people think... The coldest part of the day is right at sunrise, uh, right before it, actually. In reality, the coldest part of the day could be up to an hour after the sun rises, and that's because up for the up through that first hour, you're still losing a lot more heat from the ground than you're actually gaining from the sun because the sun is so low near the horizon. But as soon as you get about an hour in, the amount of solar energy coming in overpowers any cooling. So bottom line, the coolest part of the day is typically about uh, anywhere from near sunrise to just an hour after that. And when it comes to the hottest part of the day, the earth is getting a lot of heat through the day and the sun is overhead right around noon, but it doesn't release that heat that it gains for about three or four hours. So the hottest part of the day is typically around three, four or five o'clock in the afternoon in the summer. And wow. so I'll, I'll jump in and say one of the reasons that I got into weather myself is because I was always floored by these huge temperature drops, right? Not temperature rises, but temperature drops when a cold front would come through. And there are fronts that can be so strong. You've got a 20 to 30 temperature uh, drop that will happen. And that temperature drop, the lowest temperature maybe behind the front can be lower sometimes than what your your overnight low might be, yet than, than what the temperature is going to drop overnight. So the front can come through really have a huge temperature drop, then the temperature can go back up and maybe not be as low as what that drop was for the overnight period. Yeah, those those strong fronts can really do damage to a meteorologist's forecast sometimes. <laughs> um, okay, so Stella talked about how beautiful tornadoes are to her, and I agree. So do you have any questions for these guys about tornadoes? Um, yeah, so how are like how do tornadoes really like form? So, Sally, you probably know that we have thunderstorms almost on a daily basis around the entire globe. In fact, there are roughly 2,000 thunderstorms occurring at any given moment on the planet. 
But 99.9% of those are not severe, nor are they producing tornadoes. And the big difference between a regular thunderstorm and a severe storm capable of a tornado is what we call wind shear. And that basically means the wind as you go up in the atmosphere is changing direction and actually increasing. And that helps to start a thunderstorm spinning, which may actually produce a tornado. And I'll jump in and say, um, I uh, tell folks sometimes, you know, uh, if, if it's a day when it's going to be active, we have what's called the perfect cocktail. The perfect cocktail mm. for severe thunderstorms, heat, humidity, a strong weather front, that wind shear that Ed talked about, and that wind shear can be enhanced sometimes uh, based on where the jet stream is. Mm-hmm. where the upper level strongest winds are coming through. So you can get a lot of things that are working in tandem. Um, okay, well, do you, um, what about tropical weather? Do you have any questions about tropical weather and hurricanes? Uh, yeah, so what's the difference between a tropical storm and a hurricane? Tropical cyclones, they're developing uh, over, hence the word tropical. They typically develop over those warmer waters. They are basically a whole bunch of thunderstorms that are, you know, swirling around a core. As Veronica said, hurricanes, tropical systems of any nature form over very warm water. The water has to be at least 80 degrees or higher. That's why they typically only form during the summer months and into fall. And even though it's cooling down in the U.S. in the fall, it's still very warm in the Caribbean and the Atlantic Ocean. So first thing we get is what we call a tropical depression, which is the center of low pressure with winds less than 40 miles per hour. Once the winds get to 40 miles per hour, then it becomes a tropical storm and it'll get a name. And then if it continues to intensify and the winds get to 74 miles per hour or higher, it's then upgraded to a hurricane and it maintains its name. And then if it continues to get stronger and becomes a category three hurricane with winds of 111 miles per hour or higher, it's now a category three, which is a major hurricane. And that goes all the way up to category five. You know where people get confused sometimes, too, is they want to know what's a typhoon and how is it different? Oh, that's a great question. I get that one a lot. And so typhoons and hurricanes characteristically are exactly the same. If you look at satellite images of both, they don't look any different. They're just called different things in different parts of the world. Typhoons are the names they use in the Western Pacific Ocean, in the Eastern Pacific, and the Atlantic Caribbean and the Gulf of Mexico. We call them hurricanes. In the Indian Ocean, they're cyclones. And the people of Australia actually call them willy-nillies. So there you go. What? That's new information to me. That uh, Willy-nilly is what I've uh, heard the Australians call their hurricanes. <laughs> Did you know yeah. that, Veronica? I, um, I, no, that's a first. Um, <laughs> I, sorry. I don't have too many Australian friends, man. Yeah, me either. More. Bluey is where all my Australian knowledge comes from. <laughs> but, Stella, we talked about the hurricane hunters, and that's one of the ways that we're able to kind of track these storms and see where they are, along with satellite information, right? So we've got that more than bird's eye view. We've got that view from space, where the system is, how it's moving. But we also need, you know, the very detailed information as much as we can get. So we're looking at not only what's happening around the storm, in the storm, but also under the storm. So as of late, last handful of years, there's been some private companies out there uh, like Sail Drone, a company called Sail Drone, they're able to, you know, utilize the big drones instead of having the hurricane hunters, where it's an actual plane with people on it, uh, utilize drones to uh, detect and measure the water temperature 
And that is so important because that is a little piece of the puzzle that we really haven't had um, that great of a handle on as the storm is moving. The more good data you have, the better forecasts we're going to have down the road. We call it the cone of uncertainty. I like to call it the cone of certainty because this is what we know. Let's talk about winter weather. It's right around the corner. And like Veronica said, we're probably going to get an exclamation mark at the end of it. So <laughs> let's talk about winter. Do you have any questions about winter weather, Stella? Uh, yeah. Are hail and sleet the same? No, they are not the same. They're both ice, but they're completely different in how they form. Uh, when it comes to sleet, you get that in the wintertime, of course. And what happens high up in the atmosphere where the clouds are forming, you get snow to form. Then the snow falls into a warm layer of air and the snow melts. And then it hits another layer of cold air before reaching the ground. And if that cold air is thick enough, it refreezes into an ice pellet, which we call sleet. So sleet forms in the wintertime, uh, cold air mass, warm air mass, then another cold air mass. In uh, a thunderstorm, you get hail. And it's, it's bizarre that you're getting hail when it's 95 degrees outside, right? But remember, as you go up in the atmosphere, it always gets colder. So a thunderstorm builds uh, high into the atmosphere, sends water to the, at to the top of the atmosphere where the air temperature is below freezing, and it freezes. And then because a thunderstorm is very, very turbulent, it will actually send these uh, raindrops and hailstones through the top and back to the bottom, gathering more moisture. Eventually, the hailstone gets too heavy and it falls to the, to the ground. And if it doesn't melt completely, you actually experience hail on the ground, which is ice, of course. And my favorite cella is guapal, which is kind of like a snow pellet. It is the, if you examine it up close, and a good way to do that is during the winter, if, if maybe your parents have a dark vehicle, if you ever see it, you're like, what is that? It looks like a cross between a snowflake and a hailstone. Can you explain the formation of grapple? Well, it's almost like a snowflake that's attached to a hailstone. It's very turbulent. It's that process um, with the little uh, ice crystals and eventually coming down. But if you examine it up close, uh, certainly under a microscope, you can find some great images online. It's like a little snowflake that's attached to a piece of hail. So soft hail, it's called sometimes. Hey, something else, Cell, that's really cool about hailstones um, you can kind of determine how many times they went up and through a thunderstorm. If you cut a hailstone in half, they have rings very much like the rings of a tree. So you get an idea of how many times it's traveled through the storm before reaching the ground. All right. So do you have any more questions about weather? Do you want to ask some questions about their careers and being a meteorologist and what that's like? Uh, sure. So what do you have to do to become a meteorologist? Well, you have to take uh, atmospheric science courses. Right. So I went to University of North Carolina at Asheville. My degree was in atmospheric science, lots of chemistry, lots of physics, thermodynamics. So I got my four year degree there, bachelor of science. Then I went on to work at a TV station to get some on air experience. Uh, there are so many great colleges around the nation, depending on what you want to specialize in. If you want to specialize in tropical weather, you're going down to University of Miami. If it's severe weather, you're at in Oklahoma, if you're someone who wants to deal with um, uh, commodities and um, how weather impacts the economy, maybe that's Penn State for you. So many great schools in the nation. I had no idea you went to UNC Asheville. That's really cool. Well, you know, me and Veronica are both graduates of UNC Asheville and will gladly show you around and support your application. Awesome. <laughs> we will. 
I actually went to North Carolina State University. So that's, oh, we all we stayed all in the North state Carolina. of North Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> that is so yeah. great. Well, that's it's selling. Got to be in North Carolina. <laughs> that's it. It's a really beautiful state, too. I was just there yeah. this summer for vacation. We were in Oak Island, except the sun is very different there than Ohio. It's a lot, a little, little bit hotter down here because you're a little bit, uh, the sun angle's a little bit higher. So, you know, you have a great university where you are. The Ohio State University is a good weather school, too. You know, Selen, we all took a certain track to become meteorologists, but you're a new generation and you were mentioning you like TikTok. And I think the path to becoming a meteorologist was becoming a lot different these days, too. And it may not involve, you know, starting at a TV station. It may involve paving your own way and creating your own content digitally and becoming a, a great communicator that way. So it, it doesn't come in one form. It comes in lots of different forms. And you may have a whole new form of doing that that we've never even thought of. Yeah. yeah I, Emily has nailed it right there. When you no longer, are we just TV meteorologists, we're multimedia meteorologists means uh, we deliver forecasts on television, social media, on the web, on demand, whatever it may be. And, uh, that will likely be what you do moving forward is is probably all of that. So career-wise, guys, can you talk about maybe some pluses and minuses of this career? H has it been difficult in some ways? It's not just an eight-hour day because weather happens all the time. It, you're, you're always on. There's, there's no such thing as being off, right? You're, you're constantly having to look ahead and manage uh, your weather department, stay on top of the weather, even if you're not chief, uh, because weather is so important and it impacts everyone at the TV station. It's hard enough for for the guys in this business, but I would say it's, it's uh, you know, for us as women who are older, trying to manage our families, our kids, you know, so in the traditional household, um, many times women are still the ones who are juggling a lot of the schedule with the kids. It is, it is very hard to to turn the weather part of it off and say, I got to deal with my family now, right? So right. to be honest, that's, that's, that's right now. The hardest part is uh, trying to put weather in this box and uh, not have an impact your life. That work-life balance is everything. And, and Veronica nailed that. I said, you know, some of the pros to this business is every day it's a little bit different. You know, come in every day and you're looking at different models and coming up with a forecast. And so it's not the same grind every single day, which is kind of cool. And like I said, it's a, it's a hobby for uh, for people like me, Emily and Veronica. It's We're getting paid to do our hobby. Uh, some of the negatives of the business, I mean, you, you have to work holidays and you may be off for Christmas, but if there's a big winter storm, guess who's got to work? You know, that usually will be the case, you know. Uh, Mother Nature doesn't take holidays off or weekends off. So, you know, you've got to be prepared to work even when you're actually off. Uh, so those are things. And, and quite frankly, people can be very mean to people that are on television as well because of social media. So you kind of got to have a thick skin and kind of let that roll off your back and not let people like that bother you. And just know you're doing a good thing when you're delivering uh, weather information that could be life-saving. You two are both very much in the public eye, like celebrities in your market. How does that feel to be out in public and constantly have people come up and talk to you? When I was young, um, I would be taken back by it. And then when I had children, sometimes I'd be sitting at a restaurant and trying to give my kids their time and, and sometimes be taken away. 
Um, but, but again, you have to learn yourself how to manage that. You know, sometimes you can just be polite. People will understand. Um, but for sure, what Ed touched on with the social media part of it, you know, where people, um, you know, they say mean things sometimes on social media. You've got to learn to be confident with standing, you know, behind your forecast, knowing that you've done all the work and laid that foundation to be the person that you are as a meteorologist, that you are just as uh, prepared and confident as anybody else. Yeah. And, you know, Sella, if you decide that you don't want to have thick skin, which is what I did, <laughs> you can step away from the camera and never be in front of it. You can choose another career path that doesn't involve being in the limelight. So I'm curious what you do want to do, what you're interested in doing when you grow up. So I for sure do want to be a meteorologist. And because I was being bullied for wanting to be a meteorologist. And then um. Mr. Scott and like everyone like helped me and you... I ought to do the Zoom with you. And now I'm doing this and I'm like, yeah, I definitely want to be a meteorologist. It's going to be a lot of fun, I think. And yeah, so I do really want to do like in front of the camera. I think I'd rather be like more in the action, like in the weather. Veronica has done a lot of that. You should check out some of her coverage of Hurricane Florence because she did a great job covering that. She did. So there's a lot of jobs you could do in in weather. It doesn't have to be in front of the camera. You could work for the National Weather Service, run the Doppler radar. You can work for airlines. They're always employing meteorologists. Same for power companies. And of course, if you're interested in the military, they have a they have a lot of folks that do weather primarily for forecasting, you know, field exercises and so on and so forth. So there's a lot of things outside of television. I think the most important thing to remember especially if you decide to do television first, is make sure you have a plan B because none of us know what television is going to be like in four to eight years from right now. So it may be lucrative. It may not be. So just make sure you have a, a second career path that you can fall back on if necessary. All right. Um, well, guys, this has been so fun. Sella, do you have any other questions for these guys while you have this panel of meteorologists at your well? Is there anything else you want to know or tell them? It is with any weather questions. We got the answers. One more quick question. So have you guys seen the movie Twister? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So that's right now probably one of my favorite movies. And I just want to know like what exact, because it's like my brain is still kind of like developing and it's like they talk a bunch of like sciencey words and stuff in that movie. So I just want to kind of know like what are they doing with what they call, I'm pretty sure, Dorothy, like that one thing that they're trying to put into the tornado. What are they trying to like measure or do? The, the wind speeds within the tornado, uh, it's kind of like uh, what I talked about, you know, hurricane and some of the new instruments of being able to to get more data from inside of the storm. The more research and data that we can uh, grab from them, then the better we are able to forecast because that data can go into simulations and models so that we can say then under uh, under a similar scenario down the line, this is more likely to happen. Um, Ed, Veronica, do you have any words of wisdom, any last parting thoughts for kids heading back to school? Not to be anxious or overwhelmed. Take it a day at a time. You know, yes, you want to plan your stuff, but don't be overwhelmed. You know, while you're in school, make sure you really concentrate on your studies because your study habits this year are going to help you next year and the year after, and that's what's going to help you eventually get to college. But 
take time to enjoy your life too. Enjoy your friends. Uh, just enjoy it and do well in school. I think that's the most important thing and have lots of friends and everybody be kind to one another. Great advice, guys. Sella, anything <laughs> else you want to add before we go? No, I think that that's pretty much it. Thank you guys so much for this opportunity. Hey, no, good luck in eighth uh, grade. Yes. <laughs> good luck, Sella. High five, Thanks. everybody. High five. Off the Radar is a production of the National Weather Desk. Make sure you're following the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes publish every Tuesday. If you know a child or an adult that loves weather and trivia, please share this episode with them. Also, find us on social media. Our YouTube channel is full of fun weather lessons. We'd also love you to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Let us know what you think of the show and give me some ideas for future episodes. Special thanks to Veronica Johnson, Ed Piotrowski, and of course, Sella for joining me on this episode. I'm meteorologist Emily Gracie. Make it a great day.